Part two, section two of a defense of idealism by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part two, vitalism, section two. I do not want to dispute Monsieur Bergson's conclusions that matter is the vehicle and plastic tool of the elan vital that pure remembrance is a spiritual manifestation and that with memory we are actually in the domain of spirit these are precisely the conclusions to which i believe the balance of the biological and psychological argument inclines but i do not see that these conclusions are supported by a theory which begins and ends in metaphysical dualism that tries to establish reality on the far from stable ground of action plus immediate perception and that in spite of having coolly let filter through every consideration inimical to its argument lands itself in perpetual contradictions in its efforts to escape from the position it has created for itself for while it takes its stand on action and immediate perception as alone affording the clue to the real and asks us to suppose such absurdities as that homogeneous space is logically posterior to material things and the pure knowledge that we have of them knowledge that it declares four pages later on to be tainted with the impurity of the sensation and that extension precedes space at the same time we are to suppose that it is this very same homogeneous space that concerns our action and our action alone m bergson's aim is to escape the pitfalls of realism and idealism alike to résoudre le contradictions to overcome the insurmountable barrier and at the same time to rejoindre la science he finds a common error in the realism of the vulgar herd that takes for granted a world of things existing plump and plain outside and independent of any consciousness and the realism of kant that presupposes a thing in itself independent of and inaccessible to consciousness you wonder why kant should be lumped with the vulgar realist when he made of homogeneous space and of time not barriers erected but forms of the intelligence for the coordination of the data of sense the common error is that both realists made space a condition a priori of experience whereas immediate perception has no a priori elements nothing is a for or after another but our experience consisting mainly and primarily of action so to speak gathers space and time with it as it goes along space and time will thus be given with the sensations coordinated by means of them it is not quite clear whether m bergson means that sensations occur ready coordinated in space and time and that our perception reflects as it were the given coordination or whether it is we who coordinate as we go along from his theory of perception coordination of objects in space would seem to be given from his theory of action that we coordinate would follow anyhow coordination proceeds hand in hand with experience and is not provided for it beforehand the shipwreck of idealism rather is in the passage from the order which appears for us in perception to the order which succeeds for us in science and idealism and realism proceed from a common error in that on both theories 
conscious perception and the conditions of conscious perception are directed towards pure knowledge and not towards action here m bergson and the great body of modern philosophy with him part company with the metaphysics of the past he has put his finger on the weak spot of all the transcendent theories their neglect of action let us see how a philosophy fares that is directed towards action and action alone in order to escape realism and idealism m bergson identifies perception with preparation for our action having laissez filtre the work of intellect its logical constructions and presuppositions and the account that science gives us of the real or assumed action of external things on the grounds that thought relations and real action are not given in immediate perception but having decided that pure perception is concerned with action and with action alone and that the body is an instrument of action and of action only he has less difficulty than might have been supposed in establishing the correspondence between perception and cerebral states yet we find in this correspondence that the cerebral state is neither the cause nor the effect nor in any sense the duplicate but simply the continuation of perception perception being our virtual action and the cerebral state our action begun it is a correspondence and yet it is a continuation it is a continuation of perception and yet not perception itself now the only way in which one thing can be the continuation of another without being that thing itself is for it to be an effect of that thing the cause passing over into that is to say continuing in the effect and yet this continuation cum correspondence of perception is not its effect and this perception already doubly tainted by identification with our virtual action of which our body is the instrument and the action of things upon the instrument is what m bergson calls pure and the taint does not end there this theory of pure perception must be attenuated and completed pure perception is mingled further with affections sensations and recollections memories we have to restore to body its extension and to perception its durée to reintegrate in consciousness its two subjective elements affectivity and memory we have seen what has happened to extension and durée we have now to see what happens to perception and memory m bergson plunging into the very thickness of experience starts with the extremely one-sided proposition that our body is an instrument of action and of action only the true role of perception is to prepare actions perception is he says nothing but selection it creates nothing its role on the contrary is to eliminate from the ensemble of images all those on which i should have no hold then from among the images retained to eliminate all which have no interest for the needs of the image i call my body the body is a centre of action he goes on and of action only in no degree in no sense under no aspect does it serve to prepare still less to explain a representation all in our perception that can be explained by the brain are our actions begun or prepared or suggested and not our perceptions themselves so much for perception when it comes to memory the body preserves motor habits capable of bringing the past again into play also by repetition of certain cerebral phenomena which prolong ancient perceptions it will furnish to remembrance a point of attachment with the actual 
a means of reconquering a lost influence over present reality we might ask how cerebral phenomena can prolong what they have never been concerned with let that pass we shall be involved in still more serious contradictions before we have done with this theory of perception as a preparer of actions only we are not quite sure whether we are to suppose that the function of perception is not to perceive or whether it is to perceive only those things that make for action here says m bergson is my body with its perceptive centres these centres are shaken and i have a representation of things on the other hand i have supposed that these shakings can neither produce nor translate my perception it is then outside them where is it m bergson has no hesitation in deciding that it is in material objects his grounds for this view of perception are that in posing his body he poses a certain image and with it the totality of other images because his body has its place in this assembly he concludes that his perception must be there also and though the body and its cerebral shakings have nothing whatever to do with his perception which exists outside them can he mean as an independent object in space the unique role of these shakings is to prepare the reactions of his body and to sketch out his possible actions lest we should conclude rashly that in this case the roles of the cerebral shakings and of perception are one and the same he tells us that perception consists in detaching from the ensemble of objects not particular objects or groups of objects but the possible action of my body on them so that whatever else it may be the primary function of perception is not to perceive perception therefore is selection now this is surely giving a somewhat incomprehensible and contradictory account of a complex but perfectly intelligible performance because perception in addition to its obvious function of perceiving of being aware of and its less obvious and possibly disputable function of posing its own objects has a distinct reference to action just as it has a distinct reference to appetite and love and aesthetic emotion and moral attitudes and intellectual interests and cosmic rapture and mystic passion and every conceivable mode of conscious experience because both attention and intention play a part in determining what perception shall dominate our experiences making all allowances for the part they play we are still not justified in contending that perception is nothing but selection with an exclusive reference to action and it is the same with memory its primary function is to evoke all past perceptions which have analogy with some present perception and to recall to us what went before and what followed after and thus to suggest to us the most useful decision among possible decisions true this is not all m bergson distinguishes between physical memory which is an affair of motor habit associations and pure memory pure memory holds together in one unique intuition the multiple moments of durée it disengages us from the movement of the flux of things that is to say from the rhythm of necessity but this unique intuition again has a primary reference to action the more memory serves to contract these movements into one the more solid the grip on matter that it gives us so that the memory of the living being seems to measure beforehand the power of its action on things and to be nothing but the intellectual repercussion of it after all pure memory is not so very pure like pure perception it is tied and fettered to action of which alone our bodies are the instrument observe m bergson says 
the position we thus take between realism and idealism. We do observe it. We observe that in the interests of the élan vital, M. Bergson has ignored everything in consciousness that does not bear upon action, and that, in consequence of his wholesale rejections, his position is between the devil and the deep sea. The deep sea holds all the relations that he has let filter through, not only those despised ones which are the logical framework of the actual, but those which science reveals as part and parcel of the real. And the devil has run away with the possibilities of sensation and the intermediary perceptions which have escaped him. But, however irrelevant they may be to M. Bergson's action, however slender their grip on matter, they are not destroyed. The devil and the deep sea still wait for the thinker who denies them. Supposing that my conscious perception has an end, destination, which is altogether practical, that in the ensemble of things it emphasizes only those which interest my possible action on them, I understand that all the rest escapes me and that all the rest nevertheless is of the same nature as that which I perceive. How do I, how can I know this if all the rest has escaped me? In order to suppose that conscious perception has one practical destination, I have had to suppose a lot of things besides, that homogeneous space is not logically anterior, but posterior to material things, and to the pure knowledge that we have of them, that extension precedes space, that homogeneous space concerns our action and our action only, being like an infinitely divided band that we hold below the continuity of matter in order to make ourselves masters of it, to break it up in the direction of our activities and of our needs. This is all very well, as long as we are considering the psychology of animals and babies, whose adventures in space and experiments in action are neither delayed nor hampered by considerations of the logically anterior. But it is to ignore immense departments of adult psychology, and it is not what is meant by a metaphysic. If it were, if what is first in experience were first in reality, why not start at once with the human embryo or the protozoon? Why bother about human psychology at all? Only you ought to know exactly what you are doing. If you may light-heartedly laisser filtrer everything that makes realism what it is, plus everything that makes idealism what it is, on the one hand, the real space of mathematics on which all the laws and conclusions of physics are based, on the other hand, all psychic and logical processes which have no immediate relation to action, of which action is not the object and the aim, this is indeed to escape both realism and idealism. It is to escape all metaphysics, but it is hardly to resolve the contradictions, or to overcome the insurmountable barriers, or to rejoin science. But when criticism has shown up all its weak points, it remains a superb attempt to reduce the phenomena of consciousness with all its multitudinous references and loves and interests to a unity which shall not leave life and action out of the account for it is true that in action in life taken in the thick as it is lived we do get a fusion of perception and of memory and interest and will of time and space in a continuity and oneness which knows nothing of the contradictions the dilemmas the presuppositions the infinite dividings and limitings of the intellect it is no less true that neither life nor action in itself will deliver the secret of that fusion and that continuity in the very effort to escape those contradictions and dilemmas m bergson has added to them those special contradictions and fallen into those special dilemmas of his own which i have just tried to make clear 
and what has happened to monsieur bergson is what happens to every philosopher who is out looking for his unity in the wrong place that is to say he has put pure time before the self he has given to time that special form of continuity the duration that belongs only to a self he has made pure time in which action happens the beginning that it cannot be and thus brought it again under all the categories of spurious time to avoid the pitfalls that await him as the result of his rash choice in priorities he has transformed all the contradictions and dilemmas of spurious time to space in the evident hope that they will find reconciliation and solution there moreover to escape the net of illusion he has thus prepared for himself he gives to space which he has identified with spurious time the purity and reality he denies to spurious time he is bound to do this in the interests of that outside world which is the playground of the elan vital that is to say in the interests of that ultimate dualism in which vitalism begins and ends but he has shown us that time and space are correlatives and that neither is to be thought of without the other that they work in and out of each other and play into each other's hands we are aware both of the position of objects in space and of the movement of objects from point to point in space which is as it were a sort of succession in space we are aware both of the succession of events in time and of their simultaneity which is as it were a sort of stationariness in time but it is neither space in itself nor time in itself which is holding objects together with pure space alone you will never construct a synthesis of objects in space nor with pure time alone a synthesis of events in time but if either construction is to be valid and intelligible a synthesis must be made of both and that construction and that synthesis if it is to be at all will depend in the last resort on personal identity on an unchanging self on any theory except that of the mechanical equivalent the construction and the synthesis will be made in the last resort in consciousness whether it repeats or whether it corresponds with the arrangements of the independent real or whether construction and synthesis in consciousness is all the construction and synthesis there is for if the self change to each member of a final synthesis or to each member of an incomplete and provisional synthesis if it change to each term of the intricate system of relations within each synthesis to all the multitudinous changing events in time to all the multitudinous changing objects in space if it had no unity and no duration there would not only be no final synthesis but no synthesis anywhere at all there would obviously be no time and not quite so obviously no space certainly no perception of space and this is positively the last opportunity for the upholders of the superior necessity and priority of memory they may say with the most perfect obviousness much more obviously there would be no time and no perception of space without memory for if time is the form of inner perception and space is the form of outer perception is not memory the synthesis of both but is it could it be because memory holds together all remembered objects in space and all remembered events in time does it follow that it is responsible for the synthesis of time and space taken together or for the entire synthesis under each head it would not be possible unless all consciousness and time and space themselves were nothing but memory but what of the original synthesis the perception of objects in space 
what of the perception of the first member of a series in time because they have been buried under layers upon layers of repeated images that are memories you cannot say that there never was any original synthesis never any perception of a first member of a series and we are continually confronted with new arrangements of old material new successions in time new juxtapositions in space and though the material is old recognized therefore and remembered as much as perceived the synthesis is new the new perceptions the new synthesis escape forever the net of memory what then holds perception and memory together and is it more truly memory or the self that makes us seize in one unique intuition the multiple moments of duration frees us from the movement of the flux of things from the rhythm of necessity end of part two recording by expatriate in bangor maine